talk about some hidden variables today on Freightonomics. <laughs> thank you all for joining us. However you are watching, listening, etc. Thank you for spending some time with us today. Zach Strickland, head of freight market intelligence. He's Anthony Smith, chief economist. And dude, the news cycle has blown up. Uh, unfortunately, in not such a positive light, Yeah, but it is. it has been a relatively big news week. So we're going to we're going to break down the convoy situation a little bit. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, uh, but I think we've done a good job as a company <laughs> so far today, kind of talking through some of those things. So I highly encourage you to go back, watch some of the Freightways Now clips with John and Paul Hampstead. Uh, he wrote the article. We Obviously, I haven't heard the call yet. They were having an announcement 30 minutes ago. Yeah. I haven't heard that, so... Also, like you said, just the news cycle, there's just yeah. so much going on. And then of course, this kind of falls on one of your favorite times of the year, quarterly earnings. You get Christmas almost four times a year now. And Except these earnings weren't great either. So it's like a lot of coal in the stocking. Like I say it's, it's like, it's like, I mean, in terms of like interest, it's pretty high, but in terms of emotional, like stability, it's, it's kind of low. Cause you want to see the market doing well, Zach? Is that it? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, 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 it's a tough thing to watch when you see, you know, we know we've known that the market, the environment, the economy has kind of been going through a softening cycle. I think the economy has actually been the overachiever uh, lately, but I, I think when you start looking at this, obviously freight, we're, we're very focused on freight and transportation supply chains. Uh, that has been the one that has led the like kind of those economic cycles over the past couple of years and that's my concern because <laughs> if if we if we were to apply that logic to the economy because everybody's like well, jobs are good you know what was it 3.8 percent unemployment still rate? at 3.8 percent i mean yeah i know you're saying that these are kind of not really solid figures to look at right now but i mean it, it's been enough to give jerome powell the leverage to raise interest rates at what is it the second fastest rate in history <laughs> it's been yeah. pretty rapid and i mean that's one of the big things we, we look at the job market look at the labor market still unemployment rate three at 3.8 percent mm -hmm. initial jobs claims now below 200,000 in the latest report so definitely not anywhere near that yellow or, or orange or red zone at all in terms of initial jobs claims um part-time labor is kind of up there when we're looking at the types of jobs no surprise, leisure, hospitality. You see people traveling, you see going out to And this is the hard part. Other stuff. This yeah. is the hard part because we have all these like underlying granularities that are unweighting the way that the traditional indexes or measures appear. Like, you know, normally we see kind of a level set, not all this undulation between sectors. Right. Pre-COVID. <laughs> um, and now like we're still in this really rocky landscape where some sector may be doing extremely well. Uh, we saw it in trucking. Flatbed kind of had a big renaissance right after the pandemic ended because the supply chain bottlenecks came clean uh, and dry van and refrigerated kind of fell. And, it, and it's, it's hard to kind of look at the market as we see it, the economy as we see it in aggregate anymore, right? Yeah. And I think we hit the nail on the head a few shows ago. Also, 
Shout out to everyone watching on LinkedIn and YouTube, watching the comments. If you want to join in on the show, be a part of the show, have a question, anything like that. Interstate J, what's up? Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Join in on the show if you have any questions, comments, anything like that. But one of the things that we were talking about not too long ago was about the the talking points around recession. Yeah. And not just a freight recession, but just recession overall in the U.S., a general macroeconomic recession. And really one of the big things that was kind of pointed out in that segment was that there have been recessions in different segments of the economy. Freight recession, we're all living through it right now. Yeah. But we've seen some downward movement within housing overall on a 12-month moving average. And, and that almost has to happen because yeah. of the rapid increase of mortgage rates. Like, you're not going to sell your house that you locked in at a 2.5% mortgage on a and then go buy another one at an 8% figure on a whim. Right. Like, it, it just... And, and that's the point of the rate increase. I should say that. Like, I shouldn't say that. that <laughs> to deter like, yeah. activity or purchases. That, yeah. That's the point. So I can't hate on that. That's not, that's what they're trying to do. So people stop spending. But the problem is that I see in some of these figures is that people continue to spend above their means. And then the debt levels are just so concerning. And this is one of the things that got convoy uh in my mind this was a component of of a thing that got convoy and we'll hit on that here in a minute so but oh, first yeah. do we have the market in too the it. news cycle is just so good <laughs> there's that we so have much to here about stuff. folks that you know we'll break all that down but let's give you a quick freight market update anthony count me in in three two one go all right let's look at the outbound tender volume index demand is deteriorating in the month of october it is still higher than expected however and we're above that 2019 level if you're looking at the purple line. So I, I don't hate what's happening here. This is a seasonal dip in October. We're going into what we would call peak season. It's not necessarily a demand-driven peak, but more of a supply contraction peak and also a sense of urgency peak uh, for shippers and people that are moving freight. Uh, so not a lot to see here, really. Not a lot that's telling. We're not seeing any dramatic increases or decreases or anything out of expectation. So let's go on to the next one. Uh, tender rejection rate for the United States. Uh, it's flat. Uh, nothing to see here, really. Again, I think my big takeaways still is that we are below 2019, below last year in terms of overall tender rejection index values, meaning that we are still in a very oversupplied state of being, not a lot of disruption happening in the market one way or the other. So it really doesn't matter what demand's doing because there's just too much supply. Uh, let's go to the next chart and look at the NTI, the National Truckload Index. This is a dry van. Uh, average dry van rate for loads moving more than 250 miles are in the United States, spot rates only, and it's starting to fall. And that is on the heels of the fact that fuel has been increasing. So this is a little, this is a little nuance. This means that the underlying line haul rates are actually falling a little bit in a period of time where we really don't expect them to. So we're not at the floor. We're not where we were in May. Uh, so to keep that in mind, but Rates have been very stable throughout the last few months, and this could be a, a weird nuance. I do expect them to come up, though, in November, December, around the holiday. So, again, this could be the lull. Uh, last but not least, let's go to the contract versus spot market chart here, and I'm going to use this chart a little bit more of this show. Uh, contract rates flat, spot rates, as you can see there, excluding like a fuel surcharge rate, starting to fall a little bit. So the spread between these two figures, too, is like the big takeaway. It's still really high. There's not a lot of movement. Um, something I'm going to touch on here in a minute uh, because our CEO and founder wrote an article. Uh, we can go ahead and actually just transition straight into newsonomics and get on with it because we got so much to talk about today. Uh, Craig, 
writes this article, basically a freight recession, unlike any other in history. We just talked about freight recessions. This sounds like, I, I think Craig gets a lot of heat slash credit uh, or attention, I should just say, for some of the stuff he writes, because it can be a little polarizing because he takes stances. And strong stances generate a lot of, you know, emotional response. Uh, but everything that he says in here is based in reality. I mean, it's all logically drawn out in terms of data, what we're seeing. We've talked about, uh, look at any of the earnings reports over the last bit. It, it has happened. We're in a freight recession. This is, this is reality. Um, and one of the, th the things that he calls out here, Anthony, is the fact that brokerages, this is something that's different. Hmm. Brokerages historically, say pre-2010, didn't have as much influence in the freight trucking market as they have today. He goes on to say that, you know, it went from 6% of route guides had brokerages in them to 20% <laughs> uh, in 2020. So it's, it's a very, it's, it's grown, it's shifted the way that we kind of operate in the space. And this has actually been keeping capacity online lately. Yeah, one of my favorite things about this article, and of course, whenever Craig writes, he gives that backdrop. So he's not just saying, hey, this is it. He's also explaining the history of it, the deregulation that went into it, what it all means for what we are right now. And one of the ending points here is, like you said, he always makes a point, takes a stance, yeah. is that the road back and, and how long that might take. I do disagree well. with his time frame, <laughs> but he does hedge it. He does say in there, he says we got another 78 weeks to go, and I encourage everybody to read the article, but uh, another 78 weeks to go. But that to me is a, a linear relationship. This is this will be anything but linear. I think 78 weeks will be the max that we have left. So I guess maybe looking at it that way, that's good news. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because we do. he does say, unless there's an acceleration in the exit of capacity, we're looking at another 78 weeks. We've already had 78 weeks. So that would make this the longest drawn out freight recession in history, which is possible. Very possible, especially with the attributes that really caused some yeah. of this going into it. And then at the top of the show, we we're kind of joking and talking around hidden variables that also go into it that could really kind of move this along because there are so many things in the news cycle that we're talking about yeah. now that That's are totally going to impact relevant. it all. And before we move on to the big story of the week, uh, I want to pull up a chart, OTVI MTH monthly versus capacity. If we have it, we may not no, that's not it. But uh, <laughs> we may not have it back there. I kind of added it late. So anyway, uh, the chart that I was going to bring up was basically showing how capacity has grown. We've grown about, uh, according to the FMCSA, carrier details, sonar users can look this up, 49% um, growth in operating authorities since uh, late 2018. And demand growth, so OTVI, monthly demand, is up about 16%. <laughs> so 49% supply growth versus 16% uh, demand growth. There's a big delta. <laughs> There's a big delta there. And then we always talk about, I think the mainstream news cycles are always saying, hey, the US consumer is so strong, so resilient, so strong, so resilient. That's all we're hearing. A lot of it's of course gonna be built on the labor market right yeah. now, leisure hospitality, service spending. But that's just going to be it. It's not just translating into goods right yeah. now. And then we look at retail sales. There's a mm -hmm. lot of analysts that were saying, hey, you know what? We see some positivity in this latest retail sales number. This is good news. This is a sign of a resilient consumer. But I stop and think, is this good news? One, <laughs> consumers are still spending right. when they don't have it in credit card. 
uh, utilization is going up and bio make money. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's, I don't know if it's yeah. good news. Yeah. Two, the report is not adjusted for inflation, so um, it's not a one to one, but it's. Well, yeah, a 1% increase in retail sales is actually a 2% decline in the actual physical. Yeah, if we're taking some loose aspects of inflation impacts into account here. And so that's an issue. And so we're seeing people continue to spend quarterly delinquency rates are increasing, not at skyrocketing levels. And and that's that's the component that on my, in my mind is, is the, is the bad, like the bad action of rate increases Mm. is that. The financing component. This is something that's beyond average consumer like attention uh, slash understanding. They don't realize that when the Fed raises their rates, some of their loans, especially the revolving ones, credit card debt, also increases on the back end. So that they, they may not even know what their interest rate was on their credit card two years ago. Right. You know, but they just knew that they paid a certain amount a month. And they're not seeing this invisible, I call it an invisible. Uh, variables. Yeah. <laughs> r- hidden variable, a rate increase that is occurring on the debt that they're, that, that they already have or that they continue to have. And that's, again, it's not really destroying demand because the consumer is not aware of it. Right. It's not a hindrance. You are punishing them for something you've trained them to do. And I think that's the bad component of all this. And it's, it happens in businesses. Right. And our next story, the convoy story, cancels all loads, all shipments, load board is empty, announcement upcoming, which happened 30 minutes ago if you're watching us live. Uh, the Really one of the big components of why they went under, brokerages finance their receivables. What that means is, is that they, uh, the banks give them cash <laughs> at a, and they take a percentage point <laughs> or some basis points off of it so they can have access to the cash faster (laughs) because historically their customers pay them slow and the carriers need to get their money faster. (laughs) So again, not going into all the accounting days, sales outstanding and receivables outstanding stuff, but it can be as much as like 120 days before the carrier gets their money. (laughs) And that's for a carrier that could put them out of business. They don't have cash to pay their bills. They, that's how it works. So, with the financing rate increases, they're selling their receivables to a bank, factoring, this is called, and then they're used to paying 1%. JP really outlined this earlier on FreightWaves now really well. Um, now that's like 3 4 5%. Right. So on all of your revenue, you just got a 2 to 4% increase on your interest. So that just, there's your margin. Right. <laughs> you're, you're, and, and that's something that Convoy got caught up in. And speaking of margins, we're looking at this industry. This is not similar to other industries where margins are, say, like the beauty industry. Yeah. Margins are just absolutely insanity. And we're looking at luxury products, insanity. When we're looking at uh, the supply chain, we're looking at trucking, and we're talking about 2 3 4 5%. That's huge. I mean, you're talking about companies that are historically operating at a 5 to 7% OR, meaning they make five cents on every dollar, seven cents on every dollar. And that two to 4%, two to 5% jump, you know, and th- again, we're talking about Convoy, who's a brokerage. They do have an asset-based portion, but the, the brokerage is the part that we're focusing on in this story. But um, their, you know, their margins are not that high. <laughs> so you just took away a big component of it. And I'm not saying that the financing was all of it. But it certainly was a, a component of this in combination with the fact that the freight market 
is a complete, you know, it's, it's on fire. <laughs> it is, it is. And I think, I mean, we'll have to also, if you're going to be watching freight waves now tomorrow, I'm sure we'll also dive into some of the aspects of that call. Um, because there's just, there, it's not like this was a small company. No, <laughs> the it was valuation huge. wasn't low. They were on a lot of big companies route guides. And, and I think the big takeaway here is like, watch out. Yeah. Brokerages are not safe from this freight recession. Historically speaking, they kind of have resilience. They manage headcount, uh, kind of come out, you know, they're, they're a little bit more flexible at managing their underlying costs. And that's what makes them resilient. But this debt situation, this financing situation is very new. We've never had a freight recession and kind of this back-end debt. And Convoy was a rapid growth digital freight brokerage model. So what that means is they took a bunch of money to try to go and get market share as fast as possible and enter the space. There's a lot of debt involved in that. <laughs> and so because it's so aggressive, they were, pro they were put out there a little bit more and exposed to this more. And one of the things this kind of reminds me of is some of the talking points that we had, I think, maybe a few months ago or maybe even over a quarter ago. Um, was really around companies really trying to extend as long as possible. Mm -hmm. And this even goes down into hiring, especially when we saw the, you know, so many people get laid off, furloughed after the recession. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, COVID happened. And then we saw the great resignation, all these other things and employees really looking to have that optionality, employers looking to try to retain as much as possible right. and really that could all kind of come to a head where there's no trickle down or, or tapering off, I should say, but just a completely shuttering altogether. Yeah, I, I, this is, you know, brokerages, again, that I think it just depends on where their balance sheets are. How much debt do they have leveraged up there? If they don't get the revenue or the cash flow in fast enough at this point, like it is, that's the trickle down. Right. <laughs> is that I don't get paid, you don't get paid, subsequent breakdowns and cash flow cycles for companies. Uh, and that I'm scared that that could be a runaway effect this winter, uh, especially as freight volumes aren't there. Speaking of freight volumes, uh, one company that actually had a an increase in freight volumes, but still got completely destroyed on the revenue gain side, JB Hunt had their earnings. Um, and I don't, you know, I think we can get caught up in some of the financial market analysis of these, like missing expectations. I've never been a fan of hearing a financial analyst. And I, again, I was a financial analyst. I totally understand why they would say this, uh, because they are trying to figure out exactly what's going to happen each quarter as a person that's just trying to see, is this a good or bad thing for JB Hunt? I, this is what's just an inevitability. Like to me, this was JB Hunt is caught in this, tide of the market and we can explain it with our data like yeah. it's not just them it's everyone and the I, one of the reasons i love looking at jb hunt is because they represent literally every sector of transportation domestic transportation they got intermodal 49 percent of their business uh dedicated which is just trucks that they basically say you own them sort of <laughs> uh to their to their shippers they have truckload they have brokerage uh, all of them showed year-over-year -year declines in revenue. Uh, the intermodal one, let's, well, overall, they were down rev revenue-wise 17.6%. Revenue is not a great measure of anything <laughs> uh, anymore. So take that with for what it's worth. It's certainly a thing, and it is a big deal, but it's not as much as the thing as people probably think it is. Uh, intermodal, up first. So they actually increased their load count by 1.2%. 
their revenue was down 15.3%. So loads up, revenue down, their costs also up uh, overall. Uh, we had a 12.9% increase in their underlying costs, compresses their margins, but they gained volume. <laughs> like, so what does that tell me? And I don't know that we have this chart either because I added it late, but we have loaded rail container volumes versus, uh, yes, there it is right there. Loaded container volumes uh, versus intermodal contract rates. Here it is, JV Hunt's intermodal section. <laughs> You've got load volumes up in the white, 7% year over year at the end of September, and you got contract rates for intermodal down 11%. <laughs> and so, I mean, if we were to summarize this, I think it's almost like, you know, JB Hunt experienced some volume growth in its intermodal segment, but faced some challenges in terms of revenue and profitability in the third quarter. And I think maybe they're cautiously optimistic going well, into- they're, they're just flushing out what happened during COVID. Mm -hmm. We had overinflated rates. They were too high. Uh, intermodal will be just fine once they get their capacity situation and their cost situation under control. That's the part that nobody can really see. Like JB Hunt has a partnership with the rails uh, that gives them a pretty strong advantage in the market, honestly. Uh, so if they can control, which they did, <laughs> they, they still had an operating ratio of 91.8%. So we're talking about a company like they just got destroyed. They're making eight, 0.2 cents on the dollar. Yeah. <laughs> They're making plenty of money, guys. So don't overreact to missed financial expectations. Like expectations at this point should be thrown out the window because nobody has good ones. <laughs> yeah. And if this is something that's happening, like you said, with JB Hunt, mm -hmm. someone that has really exposure to just about every segment, yeah. I think that kind of tells me where the state of the market is for those companies that maybe aren't operating as efficiently yeah. or maybe have exposure into a least fa a less favorable area. And, and the fact that, yeah. And the fact that JB Hunt operates in an intermodal gives them a pretty strong diversified portfolio, right? <laughs> you know, cause intermodal is not volatile in general. It was during the pandemic, but what wasn't, <laughs> um, anyway, I, I don't, I don't, I, I guess I'm saying temper your thoughts when you hear things like this, because it looks brutal revenue being down 17% always looks dramatic, but this company's operating. Uh, you know, especially on the intermodal side, just fine. Uh, dedicated up next. So the dedicated revenue down 4.2%. Uh, wow. Absolutely. Like this is exactly what I would expect in a down market. <laughs> like I know that, uh, Ahmed Marocha was, a, he thought this was an underachievement based on what we know about freight though. I mean, he's a financial analyst. He's looking at this from an investment standpoint. I'm looking at this from a, just a freight geek standpoint in this market, in this environment, I, this is non-news. This is, uh, I mean, they're doing just fine. 88.5 OR, um, operating income didn't fall, but 4.4%. I'm not worried about that sector at all. Uh, that's a great thing to have in your portfolio. Just the fact that they have it and they grew it coming into this makes me think everything's okay. Um, and that's the dedicated part. And at the very end of this, one of the interesting things that the COO said is that um, solid drivers are still hard to find, though he added they are much more available than they have been. I yeah. think that second part is huge, is that these drivers are much more available than Nobody they have been. Nobody wants to kind of pull the lid off the driver shortage narrative. <laughs> I know they're scared to say it, but it's really a driver recruiting issue. It's not, uh, it's not a driver shortage in general. Uh, it is a driver, it's driver recruiting and retention. 
<laughs> and I think that kind of transitions into um, the Atri report um, in terms of... Well, I want to hit the dedicated. Oh, another one. Dedicated. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I want to hit the brokerage part because this is the part that gets the most headlines <laughs> for J.B. Hunt, the brokerage. And we just talked about Convoy, their digital brokerage, not the same thing in J.B. Hunt's world, but I would say in terms of asset-based brokerages, they have the closest resemblance mm. to a digital brokerage environment. And that's what Convoy was. Um, cause they have their 360 platform, which 48.2% revenue down. Um, it's, that's it, hard to cover up, <laughs> but I will say, uh, the fact that they were able to keep their profit margins, uh, gross profit margins only down 14.2 to 12.8%. They managed headcount significantly here. The loads poor employee was only down 8%. They managed this business as probably as effectively as you can hope for um, in, in this world. <laughs> yeah. And that, I think that takes me back to the previous talking point is that if they're experienced this and they're doing this well mm -hmm. in terms of managing what's going on, yeah. majority of, I would say, some of the operators out there aren't acting in yeah. this manner or this fashion. Yeah. And then last but not least, truckload, uh, not talking about the final mile because we only have a few seconds left, but... Uh, truckload revenue down 17%, loads up 6%, tractor count down 7%. They have contracted their capacity here. Volumes are up. It's just that pricing maneuvering that's going on here. And there's plenty more yeah. talking points, especially in this news cycle, many more stories. This is just newsonomics. We didn't yeah. even get to some of the other I know, right? aspects of the show, Econ 101. We didn't get to some of the <laughs> what-onomics like interview today, discussions. Really. We just scratched the surface. We just we scratched the surface. We did get through Convoy and J.B. Hunt, which I think were the two big things. Um, you know, we're still coming out of a pretty overheated space. Also, F3 right around the corner, live.fairways.com. Yeah, come see us. Come see us. Oh, type in FOTRI for a discount. Thank <laughs> you.